Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, Gillespie, I mean, we're, right now, we're, we're talking about it's an open competition at all those spots, you know, wow. especially at the free safety spot, you know, so we're just taking a look at everybody. It's still early, but he's been impressed. We know that he's going to be a very, very talented special teams player. We know he'll bring that, but I've been impressed with how fast he has picked things up, too. Uh, this has been so beneficial for all those younger guys, the ability to get out in the field, even though many of the reps are walked through, just to see how fast they pick things up. He's been impressive too now. We really like what we see from him. Hmm. Hmm. That was New Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahudar. I told you guys over the weekend that was hearing some things hearing some things about uh, an open competition uh, at, at, uh, at at safety who the weren't the Raiders weren't quite sure who the two safeties were going to be uh, and that Tyree Gillespie the fourth round pick from Missouri was uh, was kind of showing up a little bit in OTAs and that they were anxious to see him in a new setting and that's with the pads on they feel he's going to show up even more uh, when when that element is is uh, brought into the equation. So keep an eye on young Tyree Gillespie. Keep an eye on that safety position. I think it's much deeper than it was last year. And uh, competition breeds success usually. And um, whoever ends up on the field, it looks like they're going to really have earned that position. Um, so we'll have to keep monitoring that. But uh, I think the Raiders have a little bit of a good problem on their hand uh, with the amount of uh, safeties it looks like that uh, that they believe have a chance to be pretty good players for them. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and bring in our good friend, Q Myers. You could follow him at your boy Q254. Um, he is the uh, host of UNR from 3 to 6 p.m. on Fox Sports Central Texas AM 1330 and over on 93.9 FM as well. Q, you heard uh, Gus Bradley uh, right there. First of all, thanks for uh, joining us in the huddle. We always appreciate it. What did you make of what Gus Bradley said about uh, that open competition at safety? Well, I think that's what is needed. You know, I think that the, the safety position, the secondary in general, needs as much competition as possible. You know, I mean, it's been a it's been a, a area of weakness for the Raiders. And Gus Bradley, we all uh, think about what he was able to do in Seattle, what he was able to do in Jacksonville as the head coach, especially the first year when that defense was really, really good. Uh, you know that he knows what he's talking about and what he's looking for. I think that's the biggest key. He knows what he's looking for, and he's looking at the roster saying, hey, this is what I can work with, this is what fits in with what I want to do, and this is what doesn't fit in. And so I need a little bit more ingredients to make this dinner on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why in the draft they went and addressed it. And, you know, so many of the national media talked about, why would they go grab so many safeties? Why did they spend so much draft capital on the secondary? Well, because they're trying to build something, and even if you have to address one position with multiple players in, in the draft, if you know that that's an area of weakness, you've got to do it. I think competition is great. I think it's needed. And you'll be able to see, you should be able to see the results of it uh, once training camp is over and they put out the final 53-man roster. And you'll know who's starting. you know who's the backup. And, you know, that's the other thing. If one guy comes off the field because, you know, he's banged up a little bit or maybe he's just not playing up the snuff, then another guy they feel pretty confident about could go in there and slide in and fill that void as well. 
Yeah, and I talked to a little while ago about when I was covering the Rams, they had John Johnson and they had Eric Weddle, and the next thing you know, they're drafting Taylor Rapp, Terrell Burgess, Jordan Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Scott. Um, you know, uh, uh, they brought in a Juju Hughes, uh, and all of those guys, pretty much every one of them, ended up playing at some point. This was over the last couple of years and, and, and playing well, and the two starters aren't even there anymore. Eric Weddle and John Johnson left for various reasons. John, uh, you know, to, Cle- to the Cleveland Browns for a big payday. Eric Weddle retired. Um, but like you said, you got it, and especially at that position where the Raiders have not gotten the production uh, that they've needed these last couple of years, you just double up, triple up, bring in as many good players as you possibly can, and let it let who, best man win uh, from that point on. But having said that, Q, who do you think is the most on note? Uh, who do you think is the most on notice right now by what Gus Bradley said? Oh, I think it's Jonathan Abram, without a doubt. I mean, I, I just, and, and that's not a shot at Jonathan Abram. I mean, his career didn't start the way he wanted it to. Uh, came in with a lot of hype, and he only lasted half a game, you know, and that's just the injury, and injuries happen in the game of football. But also, as you know, you can't win a championship from the training room. You know, what they say, you can't, uh, you can't get a dub from the tub. You know, I mean, it's just, you, you can't. So uh, you got to be out there on the field, and you got to be available. So uh, I think that that is, is one of his areas of concern. He's got to clean up some of the, you know, the, the way he approaches the game. Of course, he has, you know, a lot of energy. He wants to bring the thunder when he when he tackles somebody, but also a lot of times he'll be missing tackles because he's just kind of going out there being uh, a little reckless. So I think that uh, him cleaning up what he's got to do, him understanding the defense a little bit better than what he was even able to pick up last year without having uh, OTAs and without having the, the you know the, the normal training camp. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't able to do that, plus he was rehabbing again last year still, you know. So uh, I think with him going into a year where they're going to decide uh, at the end of the year or around this time next year if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, I think that he's definitely on notice about, hey, you've got to be available for the 17-game season. You've got to be a big-time factor, and you've got to show why the Raiders drafted you in the first round. When you look at Tyree Gillespie, um, where do you feel like he projects best? Oh, man, that's a, that's a really good question. And, I, I look, I do know that he, he's the guy who looked up to Cam Chancellor. He's the guy who looked up to him and thought that he could play that role, and he feels like he could play that role coming up and, you know, playing in the box. And, look, that's something, again, going back to the last question you asked, goes back to uh, Jonathan Abram, you know I mean? Because that's what Jonathan Abram's going to do this year. And I do think Abram's going to play a lot better and have a better opportunity to succeed in this system the way Gus Bradley and, and Ron Miles and company plan on playing these guys. I think that they – he'll have a better opportunity. I think it'll really benefit him in a major way. But there's still guys out there that are going to be hungry, like young Tyree Gillespie, and so they're going to give him a run for the money. And like you said, man, competition breeds you know, success most of the time. That's the thing. If you know that someone's going to for your job, and look, it's not it's not like a, a spiteful kind of uh, you know competition. It's just these guys are hungry. They want to get on the field. They want to show what they can do in this league. So, uh, yeah, if you have someone that's breathing down your neck, it usually makes you perform at a higher level. We're talking to uh, Q Myers. You can follow him at your boy Q254. Uh, Q, we had a chance yesterday to talk to uh, Casey Hayward, uh, the Raiders' new safety yeah. uh, by way yeah. of the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think everyone kind of assumed when the Raiders signed him, obviously a veteran presence, uh, obviously somebody that brings positional versatility, having played in the slot earlier in his career. Um, he's yep. been uh, most recently uh, a perimeter cornerback. Uh, but, I, but I think there was kind of this general assumption that, okay, you know, um, if, 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 if Arnett holds on to the outside cornerback job, you know, uh, uh, he, he moves inside, um, Casey moves inside. But it sure sounded like talking to him yesterday, talking to Casey Hayward yesterday, 
he kind of has his heart set on staying on the outside. It felt like he didn't really want much to do with uh, moving to the slot. He would. He said he would do it if asked. I don't. Uh, expect him to do anything different if asked. But it doesn't even seem like that has been brought up yet. A little surprised at that, and what would you make of that? No, you know, it's funny. When he was signed by the Raiders, I thought he was going to be competition for Damon Arnett. Uh, I think that the Raiders, and I know the Raiders were very high. You were uh, out there at, at their training camp uh, facility, and you saw uh, some of the practices and heard firsthand how excited they were about Damon Arnett going into 2020, and it just didn't pan out for him. You know, he was a guy that was banged up. Uh, had concussions. Of course, he went in there with the wrist injury, so he's playing with the cast on his hand. It just, you know, for one reason or the other, it just didn't work out and shake out the way Damon Arnett wanted his rookie year. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a good player. It just means that he's got a lot to work on. I think Casey Hayward brings that insurance in that, hey, if this guy is not ready for the role, Casey Hayward can take it. Well, the thing on top of that, Casey Hayward's coming in with the, hey, I'm going to take it anyway. You know what I mean? And that's a, again, that's another good thing. And we've talked on this show about it that maybe Damon Arnett kicks in to the inside and plays the slot if Casey Hayward stays on the outside. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. We're not talking about Trayvon Mullen, and I don't think he has anything to worry about as far as his job goes, but I think it also provides more competition for him in training camp. You know I mean? I just Again, it goes back to the whole competition thing. There's competition at every spot, or at least most of the spots on that Raiders defense, and I think that that's a good thing because, again, these guys are going to work their tails off of even if you look at the, the all the guys that they brought in for the defensive line, all on one-year deals, you know that means that they want to go out there, prove that they belong, prove that they're worthy of a long-term contract from the Raiders or somebody else. So they're going to give you their best shot. I think all this competition, and especially uh, OTA-type session, mandatory minicamp, um, you know, training camp, the, that's a lot more normal than it was last year, is great for everybody in general. And I think that's how Gus Bradley wants to run things. You know, I, I think it also, um, you know, or, or John Gruden's been here three years now, and I think the last couple of years, uh, in a lot of cases, has been about development, developing young players uh, for the future. And I think last year showed, I think that offense is where it needs to be. And there's some, there's some building blocks on defense, but there's obviously, last year showed this, there's work to be done on, on defense. And it really held the Raiders back last year. I mean, we could talk all we want about red zone offense, ball security by Derek Carr. What it really came down to was not enough sacks, not enough getting teams off the field on third downs, and not enough turnovers. Just a, a overall not good enough job done defensively. How much do you think of this is, look, it's, fun, it's nice to talk about the future. It's nice to talk about developing players. But at this point, the Raiders need to get guys in there that they're going to be able to count on to get the job done on defense, even if it might interrupt maybe with some of the development part of it on some of the young players that they've invested some high draft picks in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got to win. they got a lot of pressure on them to win, man. I mean, first of all, they're in Vegas. And Vegas has winners there. You know, look at the Golden Knights, who all the Raiders are attending their games, and they're having a, a great time, and they're seeing the fans out there having a great time cheering them on. They don't want to be the, oh, the other guys in town. You know, and of course they're the Raiders, and they've got the huge brand, and of course it's going to be, a, you know, obviously a, a great attraction. But you don't want to just be an attraction. You want to be a winner. And I do believe the plan was to make sure that the Raiders made the playoffs in, in 2020. It didn't happen for one reason or the other. Uh, the defense was a, a major liability as well. And, and that's why Gus Bradley's been brought in to fix it. And so, yeah, they're going to bring in some veterans. And, and, and that's the thing, Vinny, is that you need some veterans 
to be able to hold it down and 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 and, and know what they want to do and, and know how they got to get it done. Just get out there and execute and not have to think. And so a lot of the young guys, they're thinking, they're trying to make a play, they're trying to show that they belong. I mean, there's a lot of things that go, things that go through a young man's mind while they're out there on the field that a veteran could kind of help soothe, you know. And that's what Casey Hayward's been. Even Trayvon Moore said it's been great having him there just because he could pick his brain and ask him, hey, how does this work? And how do how do I adjust to this when I see this? I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can learn, but also this is a guy who wants to go out there and ball, and he wants to go out there and play. And, and one more, you know, little note on the, the veteran. Uh, I remember when uh, Prince Makamura was part of the team last year, and I thought, okay, they're going to keep him on the roster, and they're going to have him start until Damon Arnett is ready. And as you know, they all thought that Damon Arnett was ready to go out there and start day one, unlike they did with Trayvon Mullen, where they had him working in practice, working in practice, working in practice, and they had Gary on Conley still on the roster. And then when they felt Trayvon Mullen was ready to take over, they traded Gary on Conley to Houston, and then they played Houston the next week. You know what I mean? It's just, okay, we've had, we, we don't need him anymore because this guy's ready to step in. This young guy's ready to step in. I think that's what they thought with Damon Arnett. It just didn't shake out that way, again, mostly because of injury. All right, so um, who do you think is going to play the slot quarterback position, Q? Um, that is a great question. I will say this. Um, I think if Casey Hayward like, just does whatever we just said and holds on to that outside position, I think it will be a competition between Damon Arnett and Nate Hobbs. I really do. And I know Nate Hobbs is a rookie, and I know he's not a first or second round pick, but I just think that that dude's got a little something I like to call a little something in his neck. You know, he's got a little some. Something, something to him that he's out there to, to prove that, that he belongs as well. And, and I think that he's going to be a dude who's going to provide a lot of competition. There's two rookies that I'm very excited about headed into training camp, which obviously is for a while. But uh, Koontz, we've talked about him multiple times, and Nate Hobbs. I think both those guys have, have an opportunity to make an impact in their rookie year with the Raiders. I agree. Um, Q, going over to the other side of the football, yesterday uh, during the, uh, the period of the practice that we were able to watch, it was a good hour or so, um, there was a lot of time spent uh, in the red zone, and uh, I'm just going to throw this at you and uh, uh, get your reaction to it. They're in the red zone, and every single play, and there were a good 10, maybe 12 plays that they did, maybe even 15, was out of 23 personnel, two running backs, three tight ends. Um right. And I lost track of how many guys got the ball handed to them, how many how many guys got the ball thrown to them. Whether you're talking about the fullback, the running back, the three tight ends, everybody had a say in the matter at some point or another. There was a lot. You usually think 23 personnel. You're thinking about we're coming after you. Put the hard hats on. Try to stop us, and uh, we're going to go take what we want because we're bigger, stronger, and we're going to we're going to force the issue here. But and there was some of that. You could see that they were handing it off to Alec Engold for some you know short yardage situation, handing it off to Kenyon Drake running behind uh, uh, Alec Engold. So obviously they feel like they could get that push and that yard or two that they're going to need at, at certain certain points. But there was a lot of creativity out of that twenty three personnel uh, as well, surprisingly so. So when you hear the twenty three personnel, what do you think about and and what are the possibilities out of that set with a Darren Waller, a Foster Moreau, a Kenyon Drake, a Josh Jacobs, uh, an Alec Ingold, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Well, that's what gets me excited, and I realize that the Raiders have a lot of talent. You know, I mean, when you rattle off those names, all those dudes are talented and can get it done. And when you know about the 
the offenses struggled in the red zone in 2020, you look back and you say, okay, well, how can this get get uh, improved? How can you improve on this? Well, you can make it a lot more, uh, you know, uh, uh, exciting as far as not, not knowing, not being able to anticipate what's coming. You know, I don't know how many times uh, Raider fans will tell me that, hey, I can sit there and and, and call the first three plays that are going to be from the goal line, what's exactly going to happen? Well, with all those players that you just mentioned with that 23 personnel, the sky's the limit on what you can do, especially because of the fact that Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and Alec Engle can all catch the ball as well. And Drake doesn't have to line up in the backfield. He can line up out wide. I mean, there's so many different options that you could do. You know what I mean? And so I just think that that's, that's what it really boils down to is the more creative John Gruden can get, the more talent he has, the more guys that he feels comfortable in trusting to make a play in the red zone, the better it could be. Now, this is why it's so important that they're out there doing these OTAs, even though in air quotes it's, it's you know, voluntary. It's important that most of these guys are out here because, you know, they're, they're starting to see, you know, the, the, the thought and the image and the, and the vision that John Gruden has for this offense and how to take it from what you said last year was really good to great. And that's what they need to get. They need to go from being really good to being great. They need to be able to capitalize. They don't want their, their field goal kicker, their place kicker, to break records, franchise records for, for field goals. They don't want that. They want to be able to break records for touchdowns. You know what I mean? I mean, you win in the NFL in the end zone, not between the, the, the uprights. Now, Foster Moreau is a big old dude, okay? So hard to get lost at that size. But, and he did catch about three touchdown passes in this, in this um, period yesterday. Can you, um, I mean, when you, when you start thinking about the attention that, that uh, Darren Waller will get in that part of the field, uh, and then obviously having to pay attention to, to Jacobs, obviously having to pay, uh, pay attention to, to Kenyon Drake, I would imagine that as big as Foster Moreau is, he could kind of get lost in that whole uh, translation. I'm saying from a defensive standpoint, I would imagine that he might get some sneaky touchdowns out of, out of something like that. And how big would that be? For Darren Waller, if all of a sudden Foster Moreau becomes an issue for teams down there and, and makes them maybe think a little bit different on how they, they're going to defend Waller. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. He can get lost in the shuffle because a lot of teams will probably think he's going to be coming in just to block. You know, he's in there to block, and he won't be a big target uh, option, you know, because everyone's going to look at Waller first, and they're going to, you know, look at other guys. And so Foster Moreau, he could get lost in the shuffle. But the thing about Moreau is, He's very athletic, you know. Even at LSU, when they didn't use the tight end very much, he didn't get a lot of passes on his way. The dude's very, very talented and very, very uh, athletic. That's the reason why a lot of Raider Nation was so upset that they weren't using him last year and that they had Jason Witten in there instead of, uh, you know, instead of Foster Moreau kind of taking away snaps from Foster. But I think with a, a year under his belt where it's almost like a redshirt year, now he's 100% healthy coming back from that, uh, that knee injury. I think now they really have an opportunity to unleash him and have one of the best uh, uh, tight end duos in the league in Waller and, and Moreau. And, and, I mean, go back to his rookie year. Look how good he was his rookie year when nobody really knew what to expect from him. So I think that, you know, early on in the season, he'll probably get lost in the shuffle a little bit. But I think by midseason, people will say, oh, wait, hold on. You cannot sleep on uh, Foster Moreau. He's in there not just to block. He's in there to catch touchdown passes as well. Last question for you, Q. Um, because Josh Jacobs has been doing his own thing, and it sounds like that's with the complete blessing uh, of the coaching staff here, um, Kenyon Drake has gotten a lot of run. Uh, and we're seeing... Um, you know the utilization in terms of whether he's at running back or lining up out, out at wide receiver in the slot, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I know there was some head scratching going on when when the Raiders signed him, um, but 
where do you where, where do you uh, where are you on Kenyon Drake first of all, and what kind of an impact do you think he's going to be able to have on this offense? Doug, I'm excited by him. <laughs> I really am. I mean, I really, really like Alabama football. I love to watch Alabama football because I feel like I'm I'm watching players prepare for the NFL because they're a machine, you know. But Kenyon Drake, man, he, he's one of those players that I was a big fan of when he was in school. Uh, I, I thought multiple times in his course in, the, in his NFL career he's been used incorrectly or he's been banged up. I think you saw a lot what he was able to do in Arizona a year ago. I think he just brings another level to the game. You know, he's, he's a guy that uh, has multiple tricks up his belt. You know, he's got many many tools on his tool belt that he can he can use. You know, and, and do and catch the ball in the backfield. He could do that. He can run the rock. He can you know run the rock from the uh, you know from like a wildcat position. I mean, there's so many different things you could do with him. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one-two punch. I, I look at it and kind of compare it to what they got going on in Cleveland with the Browns when you have Kareem Hunt, and you have Nick Chubb. I think that that's something that you can look at and say, hey. Josh Jacobs has an opportunity to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. Kenyon Drake has the opportunity to stay healthy throughout the course of the season. And these two guys combined could be a problem for opposing defenses. So I, I, I think the sky's the limit for that guy. I'm very excited about it. I had no problem with the signing. The money that they gave him, a lot of people were up in arms. But I think that it, it's going to be great, and he's going to go out there and prove why they gave him the deal that they gave him. Q, it's always a pleasure. You know that. Um, hopefully we'll check back in with you next week after uh, uh, minicamp or during minicamp. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for the insight. Um, and uh, have a great week and great weekend, man. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate you, my man. You got it. That's Q Myers. Uh, you can follow him at your boy Q254. Uh, always, always, always enjoy uh, the insight and the enlightenment uh, talking to, to Q. Uh, so uh, always appreciate that. And we'll check back with him probably next week. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right. Well, I think what we're seeing right now is, you know, a lot of the practice has been an individual where we've gone full speed. The walkthroughs have been just that, walkthroughs. But just his uh, picking up the concepts, his attention to detail has been very impressive. Uh, we look forward to see his athleticism in this mini camp that we're about to have. But, uh, you know, the arrow's going up just as far as his learning the, the defense and, and picking up some of the new concepts we're teaching. Well, I think that's a big thing. You know, he's got really good range. Uh, appears like we saw an individual and on tape. You know, that ability to cover from sideline to sideline. Good instincts, not only the speed to do it, but the, just understanding the defense and how it falls into play for him and when he can take chances. Uh, he's also got to be a guy that takes really good angles for us in the tackling part of it. You know, if a guy breaks through the line when you are a single safety middle team, he's got to be that eraser type tackle. And I've been very impressed with the angles and uh, how, how fast he's picked up on that. That is Gus Bradley, the Raiders defensive coordinator. He was talking about uh, second round pick Trayvon Merrig from TCU. And uh, boy, when I, was, when I was hearing Gus Bradley talk about angles, huh, that was an issue last year for the Raiders, especially in the back end of that defense. Um, it's, it's hard to do. It's something that... Um, hard to teach you know it's 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 kind of a an innate thing on understanding i mean there's so much speed in the nfl obviously in football and understanding the right angle to take to cut 
a runner off at the pass, basically, uh, or at the shortest distance, number one. And number two, just making sure that you are able to make that tackle and take the proper um, angle. And sometimes you, you almost have to sacrifice a yard or two to be able to make sure that you get the guy to the ground rather than underrun it and then have somebody just bust past you for another 50 yards for a touchdown or whatever the case might be. It's frustrating to see it happen, but some guys are just better at it than others. And on tape at TCU, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. When you see it on tape at TCU, that was one of his strengths. He's also tremendous in pass coverage, one of the best in college football, breaking up passes, understanding where to be, as Gus Bradley talked about it, going from sideline to sideline, covering a huge part of the field on that back end, but also also in that running game, um, safeties nowadays are so important, even as at that free safety position, being able to be, as Gus Bradley talked about, that eraser. You're literally the last line of defense uh, a lot of times, and being able to read it correctly and pursue it correctly is hugely, hugely important. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Anthony wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Anthony? Do we have Anthony? Uh, yeah, do you hear me? I got you, brother. Okay. Yeah, I love the show, man. Um, this Thank might you. this might not go over well with Raider Nation or whatever, but I've been listening to your show all afternoon, and kind of what I'm getting from it is, uh, this is just my opinion, of course, but do, do you feel like um, since, you know, we're talking about Abrams and stuff, maybe, you know, not fitting in and, and uh, not clicking right or, or, you know, not, not fitting the mold, and we're talking about uh, Arnett, who are both first-round picks. Uh, do we feel like uh, – this is just my opinion, of course, but I feel like that that's kind of a, a Mike Mayock thing, and, and I love Mike Mayock. I love Mike Mayock. Uh, when we got him as a GM, I, I was, I'm still, you know, super hyped about Mike Mayock. Uh, but there's a lot of people Mike Mayock drafted, you know, uh, maybe not including Josh Jacobs. They still have to prove themselves. Uh, you know, Cleve Farrell, he, he might ball out this year. You know, Max Crosby, you know, diamond in the rough possibly. Uh, Arnett, first-round pick. Um, Abrams, first-round pick. You know, Mullen, he's 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 panning out. Uh, he had a lot of mistakes in that Chargers game. But, but you know, he's he's one of our better uh, our better DBs. And, you know, Haywood's going to be on the outside, like you were saying, who are we going to put in the slot? That that kind of comes off to me like Mayock might be might be missing a little bit, and uh, I was just kind of curious if if you feel like this is more of a Mayock thing. Like I know Mayock knows what he's doing; he's been doing it for years, and he's and he's super good at what he does. But to me, um, the whole show today kind of comes down to to Mayock making maybe reaches or, or bad decisions. Um, and I was just kind of curious if you yeah. if you felt like it was a Mayock thing because the whole the whole the whole show today that's kind of where I've been I've been like oh it's kind of like a Mayock thing if, if if people are losing their positions and first round picks or or maybe being taken over by fourth round picks and you know and this and that uh, kind of gives me a little bit of a little bit of worry on, on my GM there because I mean granted maybe he hit on his picks this year. You know, and maybe maybe they are better than a couple dudes that we drafted before. Yeah, but, and, and you know, we're all. To- 
Yeah, yeah, I totally appreciate the call, yeah. Anthony, and, and you, you do bring up some good points. Uh, I guess with the, uh, you know, if Tyree Gillespie gets on the field uh, sooner than expected, you know, that's a feather in Mike Mayock's hat. You know, he's somebody that they uh, that they really um, took a liking to, and I want to say, did they move up to get him in that fourth round? I forget. Uh, things are a blur sometimes, uh, but they liked him, and they drafted him, and they feel like so far... Uh, he's been as advertised. So it, there, in, in any draft, there's uh, or whenever you're assessing draft picks and drafts, uh, there, there's going to be some give, give and take. There's going to be some hits and misses. Now, in Damon Arnett's case, um, let's remember, he, the guy barely got on the field last year. And there wasn't really a point in time, and I have to stress this, where he was fully healthy. You know, the guy was hurt in training camp, tried to play through it during the regular season, uh, played three games, then got, um, you know, it just kind of came to a head in that week three against the New England Patriots, where it just became unbearable. Um, and I would watch him on the sidelines, and the dude was in a lot of pain. He'd have to come off the field uh, and just kind of shake it off. This was a, a, a serious injury that he was dealing with. And then, it, like I said, it kind of came to a head. He undergoes surgery. He missed eight weeks, I think it was, eight, nine weeks. Uh, tried to come back. Didn't physically look like the same player that he was in training camp because we've stressed this before. He wasn't able to get into the weight room consistently. There were a lot of things that conspired against him. And on top of that, um, if you go through especially recently, I forget who we had on uh, as a guest recently, I think he was uh, somebody from Pro Football Focus, talking about how difficult it is for young cornerbacks in the NFL these days coming out of college. And some guys, you know, have, have you know, are able to, to get it a little quicker than others. But even, you know, the Ohio State cornerback last year for the Detroit Lions, he didn't have a very good year whatsoever. Um, and for whatever reason, recently, it's getting harder and harder for cornerbacks to come in as young players in the NFL and just master it from day one. So, um, and so you have to take that into account. And in David Arnett's case, he barely played last year. And I don't. I can't. There wasn't a time last year that he played completely healthy. Not at all. I mean, and in, in most cases, he was playing with something pretty serious, either coming back from that surgery and then getting a concussion, or prior to it when he was playing with the club on his hand for obvious reasons and always hurting it during the course of the games, that early part of the season. So when we talk about Mike Mayock's drafts and we talk about a guy like Damon Arnett, and some of the other young players, it's still just two years into those drafts. That's not a lot of time uh, historically. Now, first-round picks, you want to see those guys come in and contribute right away. For whatever reason, I think Raider Nation is overlooking what Clee Farrell does and what he brings to the table. I think he's been a good, solid first-round pick. I know he was picked fourth overall. Um, there's never going to be any escaping that. So maybe he'll never live up to the hype of what a fourth a fourth pick overall is supposed to have, even though there's been plenty of busts at, at that fourth pick. It's not a sure thing. Um, you're not going to be automatically a Hall of Famer because you're picked with a fourth pick. I think he's been a good, solid football player, and I think the arrow is still pointing pointing out for Cleve Farrell. I think Josh Jacobs has been a value pick. I think Hunter Renfro has been a, a, a good pick. Um, Trayvon Mullen, I think, has been a solid pick. There's still room to grow there. Um, and Jonathan Abram, you know, um, we'll see. 
we'll see. The jury's still out, and uh, and he needs to step it up. It's, there's going to be a position ch- uh, switch for him this year. He needs to step it up, and he needs to fit in. And if he doesn't, I don't think he's going to be here for long. So we'll see. But is that an indictment overall on the drafting of Mike Mayock? I think this year is going to be an important year for this. Is this will be for in some cases year three for some of his draft picks, and in some cases year two for some of his draft picks, and obviously year one uh, for quite a few others. So I think we'll have a better idea after this year what it's all about. Um, I think it's too early to uh, give a grade or, or, or assess it one way or another, good or bad, because I just think it's too early. Uh, but thanks for the call, uh, Anthony. We'll see this year. Um, we're going to go out, back out to the Raider Nation guest line, and Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? Good, Vinny. How you doing? hope this uh, phone sounds a little better. Uh, yeah, you sound good. Thank you so much. Eh? I miss out on a lot of stuff. So, um, if we got every week, um, I'd rather be the linebackers. I know I like what we did in the drills with the linemen, especially the free agents. Like I said, I want to see Fowler really blossom. Um, I can name a few of the high picks that the Rays have picked for the defensive line that have been bust. Well, not so, uh, didn't live up to it, so he's going to be okay. I'll t- back up tight end um, if, um, if he gets hurt. I. Uh, you yeah, have any faith in the backup times? I know we're, we're even wide receivers and running backs. But, You're uh, saying if Darren Waller were to get hurt? Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be a great season. I mean, I think Carr's going to throw 4,000 yards with his eyes closed with, with all the weapons we got. Yeah, I mean, if Darren Waller got hurt, um, it's it's the same thing as if Travis Kelsey got hurt. Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Where do you go from Travis Kelsey? Where do you go from George Kittle in San Francisco? Those guys are so elite, so good. And Darren Waller is among those three that if you lose any of those guys, every team that you're talking about, the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers, the the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, every all three of those teams, if they lose you know, those guys from their team, are going to feel it big time. You don't replace Travis Kelsey. You don't replace Darren Waller. You don't replace uh, George Kittle. And in some cases, you don't even come close to replacing those guys. Those guys are elite, the elite of the elite in this league, let alone on their team. I'm talking about in this league. So, um, you know, when, when people talk about replacing certain guys, like how do you replace LeBron James? How do you replace? You don't. <laughs> You don't. You got to, you know, and so if the Raiders were to lose Darren Waller, it's not even so much about how do you replace him at tight end. What you're really looking to do is how do you replace his production collectively? You got to figure out a different way. You have to figure out a different approach because you're not getting 90 catches from his backup. Or, or And Foster Moreau, um, you know, obviously I think he's got a bright future. We'll see. But is he a 90-catch guy? Can you rely on him to be 90-catch 90, 90 guy, you know, uh, 1,200 yards receiving? I, don't, I think that's presumptuous 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 i think what you have to do is say okay darren waller is down travis kelsey is down george kittle is down how do you make up for that with everybody else on your offense everyone from josh jacobs to henry ruggs to brian edwards to hunter renfro to foster moreau uh and whatever the rosters is are for for those other two teams so it's not as simple as saying hey if darren waller went down what next what next is you're not going to find anybody close to him not on this roster not on the open market anywhere you got to figure out a different way to do it so um and you know Let's 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 also remember that a couple of years ago, and I appreciate the call, Mitch. 
That was supposed, you know, uh, Antonio Brown was supposed to be the big weapon of the Raiders. Remember that they signed, they traded for him. He was going to be the guy. He does his thing, and uh, it wasn't for long <laughs> with the Raiders. And then the Raiders had, how do you replace Antonio Brown? How do you replace such a, a, a dynamic weapon like that? That's how they kind of found Darren Waller. Not necessarily found him, but what, what John Gruden ultimately did was got to figure out a way to get major, major production because we just lost a guy that, when he's right, is as right as anybody in the sport of football and as productive as anybody in the sport of football. That's when the offense started running running through uh, Darren Waller. And I'll always give John Gruden a ton of credit for that. His offenses typically aren't built in that in that kind of a manner where the tight end is so prominent, or at least you know his earlier uh, part of his career. But he figured out a way to find out this is our best player, our best weapon. We're going to get him the ball in as many different ways as possible and ride this dude. Well, and so he figured it out. He figured out when Antonio Brown uh, couldn't play how to manufacture uh, and, and, and make up for that. They ended up finding a star out of the equation. So if Darren Waller were to go down, hello, Henry Ruggs. Hello, Brian Edwards. There's somebody you're going to have to figure out a way to um, get much more out of some other players. And a lot of times, you know how that old saying that uh, out of desperation, sometimes the best ideas, the best things happen because you're forced to figure it out. You're in a desperate mode. You have to get it done somehow, some way. And that's when sometimes somebody steps up or you find somebody or you start getting the ball to somebody uh, and, and all of a sudden here comes a new star that you can rely on. So, yeah, don't don't count on anybody replacing Darren Waller, not from the tight end position. You're just going to have to figure out a different way to attack people if that kind of a player goes down. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Well, I think that's where he was ahead of the curve. Just He wasn't uh, a guy that was just a one-type move guy. He had multiple tools to his pass rush. And I think what, you know, that, that we can see that already. He's got, he does a really good job with his rush and having a rush plan. I think what stood out is his overall strength. I didn't realize he was as strong as he was. The guy that's, you know, 250-some pounds and ability to set the edge and show his strength. I think that's what jumps out even more about Mel. Listen, um, you know, uh, they're rookies and you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself um, on on any of these rookies. Um, There's a long road ahead (laughs) for all of these guys. Um, But a guy like Malcolm Kuntz, and uh, you just heard Gus Bradley talking about young Malcolm Kuntz, the defensive end, rush end, basically, uh, from the University of Buffalo. You watch the tape of him at Buffalo. And by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And it's just, it becomes immediate, like right off the bat. It doesn't, you don't have to watch long to understand this dude has a knack of winning one-on-one battles, beating pass pass, um, uh, blocking, and getting to the quarterback and creating pressure on the quarterback. He has a knack. But on top of that, and this also comes through, if you're watching it 
with a, a little bit of a deeper eye, you understand that it's not just because he's faster than the other guy, and in many cases he was, or stronger than the other guy. And in many cases, at the level he was playing at, he was. And I, that strength Gus Bradley just mentioned is 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 displaying itself here in the NFL so far, uh, early stages of the career. It wasn't just that, though. It wasn't just any of those things that really jumps off the tape. It is the idea and the mindset and the understanding that Malcolm Kuntz has of how to beat somebody in the pass rush game. And we've talked about this before. It's a chess game down there. There's all sorts of things that are going on that have, uh, you know, very little to do with the brute force speed aspect of it. Although both of those play a huge role in it. But it's the intelligence, it's the uh, savviness, it's the understanding of that chess game and how to manipulate it and how to set people up and how to have you know, hide a move until just the perfect time, set somebody up, because that's what's going on in that world. That jumps out at you about Malcolm Coons, just watching the tape at the University of Buffalo. And it's why just watching that part of his uh, resume you start thinking, you know, if, 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 that can, if some of that can translate to the NFL, there's no reason why, well, first of all, there's, you watch it and it's at such a high level that you're like, there's really no reason why that shouldn't be able to translate to the next level. There's elements of that that you saw even at the University of Buffalo, even in a conference, you know, like the MAC, not taking anything away from the MAC, but it's not the SEC, it's not the Big Ten, uh, it's not the Big Twelve. But there's certain things that he did, even at that level, that just supersedes the level that he was playing at. It was just so high level that you're like, okay, that should be able to translate to the NFL. And when you look at that with that kind of an eyeball and then understand that that should be able to translate, then you start thinking there's no real reason why he shouldn't be able to get on the field fairly early in his career. And not sitting here saying that Malcolm Kuntz is going to be a down-in, down-out player, especially early on in his career. I think that there's some, you know, some things that he's going to have to refine and get better at to be that kind of a player. However, how many plays in the NFL are in quote-unquote kind of past situations? Plenty. Pl- the majority, right? <laughs> so... Out of the majority of plays that are run as passes, somebody that can rush the passer at a level that a guy like Malcolm Kuntz can, you got to figure that he's going to be able to work his way into that rotation simply because he has an elite skill. And probably, going back to what we were talking about just a little while ago, like what you saw was at such a level that it should translate to the NFL. So there's really no reason to think a guy like Malcolm Kuntz, a third-round pick at the University of Buffalo, 
can get on the field, even in a rotational basis, on a rotational basis, and make a little bit of an impact. And when we've been talking about the Raiders and the Raiders' defensive line and generating a new pass, a better pass rush and generating more sacks, what have we said about Malcolm Kuntz? Five to seven sacks as a rookie? Max Crosby came into the league as a fourth-round pick at a Mac-type school. Was it? I think his team is in the Mac, by the way. Uh, yeah, as a, as a Mac player, and got 10 and a half sacks his rookie year. And Malcolm Kuntz, I, you know, Malcolm Kuntz does things as a pass rusher that are you know, I'm not trying to point it. I'm not. I'm not saying this to disparage Max Max Crosby. He's tremendous as a pass rusher, and I think he's going to get better as a pass rusher. But there's things that Malcolm Kuntz does that just on film that you can. It's it's a different level. It's just a different level. And um, but so if Max Crosby can can come in and have that kind of an impact in his rookie year and continue to build on that, which I believe he will. There's no reason to think that Malcolm Kuntz can't come in here and get seven sacks if he gets the necessary playing time. And one step further, I tried to keep an eye on as much as possible Malcolm Kuntz uh, during during the drills that we're able to, to watch him, him play. I put a, ta- a, a video out of him yesterday uh, working the bags, uh, working the blocking dummies, and his Body movement, the leverage that he gets, the dip that he has, the be able you know to be able to kind of get low and get around, the speed that he has in order to do it, keeping his feet, maintaining his balance, remaining in a position where he can explode. A lot of times, when you're you know having to do something athletically, get around a bunch of bags, you're going to lose leverage. You're you know you're going to be somebody that uh, a blocker can just easily manipulate because you've lost all your balance and your strength has been negated. You watch Malcolm Kuntz and you're like, this dude, this dude, there's something about this dude that he might be able to be an asset early on. And I think listening to Gus Bradley, I think they see the same thing. And in addition to that, maybe a few surprises too. They knew he had the speed. They knew he had that advanced understanding of how to rush a quarterback. And keep in mind, he's only going to get better in that regard. He's got one of the best coaches to ever do it along the defensive line in Rod Marinelli. Go look at his track record. He's going to get a master course, a doctorate degree from Professor Marinelli on how to rush the passer. (laughs) Now, and it's going to be from a great starting point. They're not starting from square one with Malcolm Kuntz. They're starting from a really advanced level for a player uh, of that age. So it's going to be interesting to see the development of Malcolm Kuntz. Six to seven sacks? If he gets enough playing time, who knows where what he's going to be able to do. Because especially playing on a, a better defensive line. I mean, if he gets on the field with Klee and Max Crosby and, and Yannick Ngagwe, there's a lot of different things that Gus Bradley is going to do up front and a lot of different ways that he's going to be able to attack the passer and a lot of different now skill sets that he's got to work with um, that a guy like Malcolm Kuntz can kind of sneak in there and just find his way to the quarterback around 
what looks to be you know a better and improved defensive line. I want to say thanks to uh, Bill Williamson. Or, uh, I want to th- say thanks to Q Myers for joining us. Uh, thanks to all you guys. Thanks to Demon Cotton uh, for making us sound so good uh, back at home base. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to the callers. Really appreciate it. Tomorrow, four to six p.m. in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Oh, 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 oh,